Howdy folks, this is Dr. Matt Grishop, director of the Grimm Family Center for Organic Production and Research at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and you're joining us for Organic Chat. So why don't you introduce yourself, Kelly? I am Kelly O'Neill, and I am the organic uh, farm supervisor here at Cal Poly. Right, fantastic. And I'm Matt Grishop, director of the Grimm Family Center for um, Organic Production and Research. And today we're just gonna have a little chat with Kelly about um, what he does here and sort of his feelings about organic agriculture. Sure. So uh, maybe to start out with, you know, Kelly, what are three things you think of when you think about organic agriculture? Ooh. So I have a kind of a balanced uh, uh, agriculture background, meaning that I've farmed conventionally um, and have um, sustainable ag and organic um, background. So when I think about organic farming, I think about um, the inputs. So what we are able to use for inputs, the tool bag, as you like to, to, to suggest, is that yep. um, the tool bag that we have is, it varies and it is limited, um, but uh, in some ways it's, uh, allows you to, when you're farming and putting it in practice, to be more thoughtful on how you, you farm. So um, conventional agriculture, which is needed, um, I think uh, with organic farming, you have to be, have a little bit stronger intentions, how, you, how you're planning, um, your expectations of, of crops and your cropping system, um, your yields, um, what thresholds that you're gonna have for uh, bug damage, and you know pest damage um as well as you know i think of it as uh kind of a it's needed i know that conventional agriculture is needed for the capacity of how much we can actually produce for people to eat but uh the systems that are designed in organics um system in agriculture are um are fantastic um and the energy or in behind it are really fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of new, um, interesting and um, intelligent people coming up with different approaches, different systems. You know, I went to school 20 odd years ago for it. So the leaders back then um, in, in that, you know, organic movement, the sustainable mm -hmm. ag movement, um, they're a lot, probably a lot, you know, dated comparable to what we have now, and especially with the the new kind of uh, uh, movement with the regenerative um, and looking at ways that um, we can kind of have our lunch and eat it too with um, different systems, you know, whether that we're, you know, helping to um, provide carbon to offset uh, uh, nitrogen for, you know, new policies that are coming along. And um, I think the other thing that I think about organic agriculture's um, the lack of knowledge in regards to the, mm -hmm. the consumer. I think the consumer, um, and this is something I, you know, we, I think me and you've had conversations about yeah. how do we, how do we change the minds of the consumer? How do we, how do we not change the minds, but uh, give them a better understanding of the nuances in organic agriculture with, you know, people see like, like especially with cornworm, you right. know, you open up a, your corn yeah. and there's a worm inside of it and people freak out. And it's like, well, you'd be freaked out if you knew how many bugs were landing on this, this plant continuously right. and eating this plant continuously. And how do we 
as consumers, as producers, um, as you know, community members change people's perspective of how food should look and how and when should we be able to eat these certain foods. Mm -hmm. I think that um, our food system would look it'd be more dynamic if people had. Um, I mean, I don't like this, you know, the slow food movement, you know, that's probably outdated right now. Anyway, but yeah. uh, that uh, our food is so fast and it's so available and um, that doesn't make it good. Um, right. I, I mean, I think it's uh, quality versus convenience. Convenience. And I right. get it. I mean, you talk about rising food price inflation, all these different things. And um, but I always kind of. At the end of the day, I think about that the most is that, mm -hmm. you know, producing chard, you know, you're going to have cucumber beetle damage on it. Doesn't make it any less flavorful, doesn't make it any less you know, nutritious. Um, and I'm hoping throughout, you know, as, as the movement grows and, you know, this mm -hmm. industry grows that people will, you'll see on the shelf that there is a little bit of damage and we're not just waste. There's so much waste in our food system as it is. Yeah. Just because of that, you know, and celery harvest is in, in the Central Coast region was like my first, well, maybe the most poignant sort of vision I had of that. We're going out to a celery harvest, and I don't think this was an organic sure. farm even, but we were literally walking on a foot of celery. So they yeah. were they were harvesting the hearts of the celery yeah. and it's, packing it in those little convenient, you know, six pack yeah. celery cello cello packs that yeah. you buy at Costco or Kroger or wherever. Yeah, and um, but but there was, I mean more than a foot of celery just out of the ground on the ground. But yeah. then again, from an organic perspective, sure. I was thinking about it as, well, that's probably about as much carbon as goes back into this system. Yeah. So it's um, kind of it, was a, it was a conventional yeah. system too. So yeah. they weren't necessarily cover cropping and composting yeah. and doing all the things we'd, we'd normally hope we were doing in organic production. So it was kind of, it was interesting because my first step was, oh, this is a lot of waste. And the flip side, I was like, well, no, this is actually feeding the soil. Sure. And this is probably the biggest one of the biggest sort of influxes of, of you know, plant detritus, organic sure. matter, what will eventually decompose yeah. that this field ever sees. Yeah. Like broccoli has a lot of residue, but man, it had nothing on what I saw with yeah, celery. It was pretty I, I, amazing. I haven't seen that here, um, but I imagine it's, yeah. you know, and that's... And this was a large, you know, large scale farm. It wasn't, you know, a couple of folks growing on five acres. Sure. This was a giant 20 acre patch of celery yeah. um, that was very well integrated into the sort of national supply chain. Yeah. But but yeah, that wastage thing I think is a, is a big part of it and then I really appreciate what you're saying about the the quality of food and I always think about it as like how do we get a discourse going with consumers and the produce buyers? Like yeah. How do we how do we actually have an, you know, a good conversation where we can see each other's perspectives and and start sure. to understand that you know, we're all part of the same system that you know, production and sales is you can't really do one without the other. Yeah. And you both have to have a, a sort of a sustainable piece of the pie or neither one's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have. I'm yeah. talking too much. No, no, no. I think it, it was we had this conversation a couple months ago in regards to this. And when I was asking you about this and I think you made a, a really poignant, you know, um, point is that, you know, it's, it's less on the consumer. It is on the buyers of of these produce is that, you know, um, the buyers are only going to buy what is available right. and, and they're only going to have as much of, I mean, I don't expect anybody to understand, you know, 
have a, a, a large, you know, agricultural literacy rate, you know, yeah. and yeah, ag literacy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that they just consume what is, is provided to them. And obviously we're creatures of habits. Like you're continuously getting, you know, these, you know, beautiful, you know, pink ladies with no scab damage or, you know, all these yeah. different things. So pink lady apples. Yeah. 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 Not uh, celery. Not celery. <laughs> no. But, um, but you, you start to, to realize that, yes, it is, you know, um, it's not so much on the consumers is that just as humans, we generally only process what we, the information right. that we have. Right. So, um, and, you know, I think that a lot of people, you know, like farmer's markets are fantastic. I love the community aspect of farmer's markets. I love all those kind of, um, uh, you know, small systems that provide for and that, and we sell a lot at farmers markets yeah. i mean that's one of our major outlets for the produce we grow at the cal poly organic farm it is and i and and, and i kind of would like to you know i mean food's so expensive and the availability in food deserts and all you know i can go on my you know food security kind of high horse kind of things but um i'm hoping that you know uh when people kind of you know Think about conventional and think about organic is that sometimes that if you if you choose the conventionally that doesn't mean that your you know your impact is you know it's you're only able to buy what you you're right, available right. and i think as the as as systems grow and you know especially here in california with you know the restrictions in which i think are you know everybody can have their own opinion on that I think it's it's it will be favorable, and I'm hoping that producers and um, and buyers can find a price point that can make nutritious, you know, sustainable, regenerative, all these different things that viable, and that we're not yeah. pricing ourselves out, and that the people are in 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 food deserts that don't have availability to you know fresh produce so like there's great like WIC programs and EBT programs that you know you can buy you know you have farmer market vouchers but um I think yeah I think in addition to this like I kind of ramble on but like I, we were just talking about agricultural literacy and I yeah. think that um that portion is I think people should just have a little bit of that in in their lives to understand that um there are options there yeah. are um that um, we're not just taking information that's kind of given to us, we're seeking it out, so. Well, and to you know, expand on something you just said there in terms of um, the, the term food desert or food of, you know, the lack of availability yeah. of fresh produce to people. I, you know, I think about this a lot, you know, the, you know, we're living in the southwestern part of the country, oh, yeah. right? And I mean, you, came most recently from Oregon, which is yeah. a much more temperate climate. Sure. I, I came, I grew up in California, but I came most recently from Michigan, which mm -hmm. is an even more temperate part of the world. And I mean, the reality is, is you're not growing fresh produce in February in oh, either no. of those places. No. And and so ultimately, if we believe that, that folks in this country have, you know, should have accessibility to fresh yeah. produce, it's got to come from somewhere. And, you know, there's a section of the population that seems pretty convinced that we're going to do that with indoor agriculture. And yeah, I think there's probably a fit to some extent there, sure. but I'm, 
I'm questioning whether the sort of energy balance of that is is, is going to pay out. It's incredibly energy intensive to grow food that way, which which translates to expense, frankly. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a that's something you touched on there that's really powerful. It, you know, it's um, we want to support local food systems as much as we can, but the reality is, you know, across the country, if we're going to continue to eat fresh produce, yeah. we're, we're going to be importing it from outside our local yeah. community at some part of the year. Yeah. Um, or we don't eat fresh produce and we go back to eating out of root cellars and, and yep. canned goods and things like that, which two generations ago was not a terrifically uncommon thing. Yeah. Um, but currently with this access of produce that we have, I mean, there are, there are, there are ways that produce gets to us and there's trade-offs associated with there all of it. No free so, lunch. Yeah. yeah. No free lunch. Um, but yeah. So here, let's get back to some organic questions. Um, so what are a few things that you feel like you've learned since you've started working here at the Cal Poly organic farm and really managing operations? Uh, I, there's a ton. I was just thinking about this yesterday. And, and, and you know, things oh, that have gone kittywampus <laughs> sideways, it's totally okay to talk about those. No, I mean, like you said, I came from Oregon State University and uh, temperate climate. Um, just the our ability to be able to almost grow year-round, um, you know, with cold crops, um, you know, lettuce, uh, you know, some root vegetables, all those kinds of things. I, I really, I mean, it has accelerated my um, production knowledge with mm-hmm. just in this eight months. So yeah. like, I've just like it just started clicking. Like, okay, you know, I mean, in Oregon, you got. Six months, yeah, and you got six months of just downtime and fixing things here. I mean, I think yeah, the, let the winter wheat grow. Yeah, <laughs> I think people should really realize how how hard producers work here. Um, and not to say that you know non-row crop folks don't work as hard, but like non-row crops, especially you know my relationship with Kyle um, uh, from Braga is just like how how much they just. They turns, 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 turns. And um, I think, you know, soil types are a lot different here. They're heavy. Um, you know, uh, water, you know, mm-hmm. the restrictions, um, availability, um, being more intentional about, you know, okay, I can't just rely on, you know, this abundance of rain that we get in the Northwest and, right. you know, um, Fertility's been a lot, you know, different here. Uh, I think that the major thing was, you know, uh, the learn. I mean, I, I sound like I'm towing the line, but like the learn by doing model. Mm-hmm. I it, it really clicks with me. I mean, um, it is it is a really fascinating approach to you know. To learning, I mean, really, like, I was a little bit cautious. I was like, "Oh man, I'm going to throw people on these different machineries. I'm going to teach these <laughs> different things." And uh, once I started being like, "Okay, this this model is the model. I'm just going to allow to do it." Right. And my, you know, my hesitation was like, you know, it, it started to diminish because it's like it's inherent in us that we can figure out. I always tell, and it sounds so crazy, but that growing things hunting all these things are instinctually kind Mm -hmm. of set inside of us you know like 
at a basic level, we understand the biology of plants and, you know, just they speak to us. We, I think we have the capability to look at a plant and learn what it's saying to us, whether it's, you know, needs water, needs nutrition, mm -hmm. um, or but, it's done. Yeah, it you doesn't know. want to be eaten by cucumber. Yeah, bears. yeah, yeah. Just all these different things and the observation of, of, of learning that um, and allowing students to, you know, I mean, I don't know if they like to share in it, but if I, for me, I'm like, oh, hopefully they're sharing in this as much as I'm sharing it. And so I think like the biggest thing I've learned from being here is like sharing in the experience with the students, like just being like showing somebody how to like operate a track or telling them about nutrition or, you know, why we do certain things and, you know, and then hearing them kind of, you know, throw different questions back. I mean, what they're learning you know, it's like, oh yeah, you know, because they might be up to more speed about different, you know, different approaches mm -hmm. in, in their classes and being like, oh, okay. I, I, and just kind of backboarding um, that sort of, you know, that relationship being like, okay, they're learning at a, some level, whether it's, you know, and yeah, just like learning the students' lives and, you know, academic lives and mm -hmm. uh, being able to share what I, my knowledge and share in their knowledge and um, in their experience, I think, I mean, I, I've learned all these little things that about, you know, ag down here, whether it's going to Grimway, learning about carrot production that is mm -hmm. just wild, 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 yeah. like, um, doing such a great you, job you can't yeah, really, yeah you can't really do justice to it talking about it you sort of have to see it yeah and uh you know but i think that the best part of and the best things that i've learned is like oh i do appreciate you know i are say i didn't really get to work with students all that right. much and here so, so actually i've got a follow-up question on that so you 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 know we and we've talked about this before kelly but you and, and one of the things i think that you ex expressed a lot of interest in in this job when you started was the fact that you would get to work with students so yeah what do you think, I mean, why is that? So just in a nutshell for our, our listeners, why perhaps were you not afforded, you know, the um, privilege of working with students and sure. learn by doing on-farm model at Oregon State University versus why, you know, what are sort of the core components that really make that happen here at Cal Poly? Sure. So, you know, so Oregon State University is, you know, R1 school. And so mm -hmm. they do, I just, they So main... that means research oriented yes, for the yeah. audience. Yeah. yeah. So their main focus is on research and um, just the design of the farms there were designs on trials and different grants that were proposed. Mm -hmm. um, and just their kind of the, the makeup of these things was that, you know, they usually had a principal investigator, they had mm -hmm. a faculty research assistant, and then either they had um, student employees or they had grad students or they had a, uh, a doctorate uh, dissertation or a doctorate right. student coming with, uh, working alongside of them is that you know my mind my main pri uh, responsibilities were just prepping and maintaining their um, whether it was hazelnuts whether it was palm or stone fruits making sure that the crop that they had was to maintain those things I didn't really have any other interactions other than so there's like a division of labor there yeah. is what I'm hearing. You've yeah. got, you know, your role is to grow the crop. Their role is to do 
well, I'm an entomologist, so I say we do horrible things to plants and insects, yeah. but but to do the horrible things to the crop to learn more about how to grow it better. Yeah. And yeah. so there's a division there where, you know, the students are not really engaging with the actual production. Yeah. They're engaging with sort of research questions that touch on production. Yeah, exactly. But it's maybe not, doesn't involve like spending eight hours on your hands and knees weeding out a couple of rows of something 100 percent, and that's and that's the the difference in the design here is that we start to finish you know mm -hmm. um, um plants so whether that's transplant you know prep groundwork to um uh, to planting to irrigation to fertilization to right. you know the nuts you know everything so the knowledge is the product in this case and the students are really engaging in the process of producing so that yeah. they get the knowledge yeah and and yeah we may have some research and other things going on sure. but but it's important to us that the, the students really learn how to grow these crops yeah. and integrate into this larger food system yeah um, with a farmer's market but then also i mean i mentioned the farmer's market we also sell the bonds i mean yeah. we you know we sell to anyone who will buy our products yeah wholesale um, to the school yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. and food pantries too yeah. um so what else? I mean, at Oregon State, was your where was the farm in relation to the campus? It's, so most of the, the research uh, experimental stations, as they call it, are off campus. So okay. they're probably um, the two farms that I was working at are about, uh, I mean, four or five miles away you know, okay. from 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 campus. So um, and there's several there's, you know, the horticulture um, experimental station and the grains and grass mm -hmm. experimental station and those were further out um, but here at Cal Poly everything is on site which is I mean I don't think anybody whoever whoever's interested in agriculture whether I mean just to understand it you know if you want to go into agcom or engineering to have that availability right to, to come to the farm and it's see. a five to ten minute walk yeah from your classroom to yeah. the field um, whereas, yeah, in my experience at Michigan State was, you know, even the on-farm, even the on-campus farms were, you were looking at 20 minutes in a car. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, about 15 which, minutes. Yeah. if you're teaching, just kills it. I mean, you can't do that. Um, yeah, whereas being able to just yeah. walk here and do it is, is a pretty massive opportunity and really... In my mind, that's that's sort of the heart of the learn by doing. Is you I kinda, mean, it's, yeah, it's the show. You got to have land and a yeah. place to actually do this stuff and have the sort of living laboratory, um, laboratory in the sense of teaching, not necessarily in in, in the sense sure. of research. And I mean, yeah. to, to talk about that, just the amount of classes that are available to, that, that come out, whether that's they're looking at mm -hmm. the perennials, or you know, etymology class, the soil science, so all mm -hmm. these different classes that like, I mean, that's another thing that I've learned is just like. It would be it would be real detrimental. Like the that availability for students to come out and actually have applied, mm -hmm. you know, learning. Be like, okay, I'm gonna go catch bugs, and we're not just gonna go out to the forest over there. We're actually gonna go catch bugs in an area that's you know row cropping or in the perennial right, right. area or the or forage crops. Yeah, because we have those too. Yeah, and uh, and you could probably collect chicken lice and, and you know lice off swine. Yeah. And, and dairy cows if you wanted to yeah like i, I don't know if i'm up for that but yeah, yeah. Right, the weed science yeah. class coming out and collecting the weeds that most impact row crops or you know all the forage crops all these different systems yeah. it's like that's what really sold me on this and i think that i i'm hoping that kind of sells other future students that's like you don't really get that anywhere else you know you yeah. go you know montana state or you go to you you know these these you know um land grant states 
most of that is really, like you say, pushed out to the, yeah. you know, to the edges and, um, you don't get that same experience. Well, and it just has a different purpose. Again, yeah. there's that division of labor. There's like, okay, this is a piece of infrastructure we're maintaining for research sure. purposes. Yeah. And so that doesn't, unless you're a student who's engaged in research, that means that you're probably not going to have much experience no. with it. But, well, we've talked quite a bit. And I think, um, you know, thank you so much for your time, Kelly. Oh, it's, I, it's great to I thank you. have you as our inaugural member for this organic chat. Keep, keep up the great work. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to Organic Chat. This podcast is recorded on the Cal Poly campus. Production provided by our production engineer, Mary Nascimento.